0: This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Thank you for joining us today for another program here on Afternoons with Mike. On the phone with me today, someone that is going to be coming to our area in April and taking part in the chamber, the U.S. Christian Chamber's big expo, the business expo, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, Tamara Andress is an author. She is an entrepreneur, and she really is one of these people that knows how to get people thinking and fired up for God. It's so great to have you on the phone today, Tamara. Welcome.
1: I appreciate that. I'm actually sitting in front of a fire right now, and it just made me smile so big that you said that because I definitely <laughs> am an engine starter. I'm like, let's go.
0: Well, what <laughs> part of
1: activation is critical in the kingdom?
0: Now I know that you're not in our nice, uh, wonderful sunshine state, enjoying the warmer weather that we're going to be having today. But where are you from?
1: Sadly, no. I am in Virginia Beach, but our our weather's coming warm soon. So we're right on the same coast, but up the ways a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, it is so great to have you with us. And how is it that you came to know the Lord in the beginning?
1: Oh wow! I, I always wonder that question: Is is it me coming to know him, or him coming to know me? Exactly, is portions yeah. of me. <laughs> Definitely, he knew me before I was in my mother's womb, so he knew me well. And I um, was on a quite a journey, I would say. And that's I think everybody's right. So I did not. I was not raised in a Christian household, though I knew the Lord's prayer, and we said it every night. Um, and they would raise their hand to being Christian. It's a very different. Uh, experience in my household now, where there are encounters and wailing and fasting and just a whole different maturity level, ultimately. And um, I got to get involved in a church in middle school, went to an overnight camp, and I feel like that was my first encounter with Jesus. And still, he felt like this distance like pie in the sky, like the star in in the sky. And so moving into high school, I actually became a leader of the Young Life organization um, after years of being in that and served in Uh, Bible studies and women's groups and was uh, um, generally singing, which is hilarious. But I guess nobody else was brave enough to do it. They didn't want to be ridiculed because I'm definitely not a singer. Um, And it was my senior year of high school, actually. And I write this in my book, Always Becoming, where I shared my first experience with the language that most people use now, which I'm trying to actually write, um, is it's not church hurt, it's people hurt, because the church is a pure bride or an intention to be a pure bride. And it's really just people in the church that hurt us. And that was my first church experience in my faith, where Mm -hmm. people found out that I was walking in one way in the light, and I was doing things in the dark. And I ended up losing almost all of my friends. Um, And that, too, the leadership said I could no longer come back. I could no longer serve and basically kicked me out of the organization. And I felt so isolated in that, that for years, even though I kept hearing God and seeing him, I mean, in college, I would pass by the guitarist on the corner playing worship music, and I knew every lyric, but I just kept operating in the place where I felt safe, which was sadly, when we are in that space of hurt, we run to the opposite direction, and the enemy is arms wide open, right? They're like, the more the merrier, let's go. And so my radical encounter, which changed the entire game and the entire understanding and my entire identity was when I was 29 years old, had a radical encounter with Jesus where I actually, like, that's the cemented altar of my life in my living room. It was, there was people there witnessing it. And the Lord told me these three things. He said, you are fully seen, you are fully known, and I still love you. So up until that point, I was living that masked life where I was in one space and operating another arena and the chasms of my soul, I was totally in conflict all the time. Mm. And from that moment on, I came to just seek him. I went to worship school, ordination school, um, it shifted everything in my entrepreneurial endeavors to serve him, to build on that solid foundation. And um, yeah, it's been a radical shift. I, I, don't even, I don't even know the person that I used to be. I just her in like almost like a movie screen with such empathy on, ah, uh, but this is what shakes me and ignites me for other people every day. So uh, I'm so grateful to know him and so grateful he knows me.
0: I really love the way you've articulated the difference in a couple of things. Number one, the whole thing between church hurt... And people yeah. hurt. I think that's become a real uh, positive. Um, it's it's. I hate to use the word uh, positive. It's the way people feel. It's not positive, yeah. obviously, but it's it's very uh, popular in the in the yeah. way of expressing that I'm just kind of hurt. And I wonder about the difference between really in this manner between hurt and bitterness because that's really Mm -hmm. what sets in isn't it is if a person dwells on the hurt when somebody else hurts them and sometimes honestly as it was with you the hurt is not like without any reason it's not without any responsibility on the part Mm -hmm. of the person that's being hurt there are reasons why people said some things but they went way beyond what should have been done it wasn't loving correction it wasn't Mm -hmm. loving care really of your heart in that uh, place, because which, you know, which of us at some point in time are are not doing exactly what you said, living one way at church, living another way on Monday morning. That's pretty normal, isn't it?
1: Yeah, completely. And, you know, I think with that, it's this understanding that because we are relational beings, uh, the biggest element of communication that I learned. So whether someone's on a personal health or a personal development journey or a leadership development journey, they're going to have this understanding of emotional intelligence connected to communication strategy. And the part that I love most, which Christ does himself all the time, is the understanding of ownership. And so I was not in a mature state to even be able to claim ownership in that expression of hurt and in that pain. I couldn't even conceptualize it. It was always just the pointing of the finger because if I could cast the blame off of me, then I'm not in the wrong and I can't believe they did that and I can stay in this space of hurt. But mm-hmm. I have realized when yeah. I take my hand away from the pointing and I open my palm into this space of ownership and repentance and surrender – that I now have an open heart and God gives me his eyes to be able to see with the lens of empathy of how that person was operating and what pain they were operating in. Really cool story. Actually, the the main leader of that organization, which I love young life. And so I never want that to be perceived wrong. I want Campus Crusades for Christ. All of those organizations do phenomenal work. It was the the people hurt, right? I saw this man, three different times because he was in my local hometown, and God just kept presenting him to me in the most bizarre places. I would see him walking, and I'm like, oh, I should pull over and say something. No, I shouldn't. Oh, my goodness, and I had all this tension, and you know God's going to keep doing it until you take action. And so I finally entered, like we opened up the car door into one another, not hitting each other, but at a coffee shop. And there was no non opportunity to not make eye contact. And I remember having this engagement with him and I got back in my car afterwards and I just sobbed crying because even though it was almost 20 years later, I still felt like that little girl. And I got an opportunity in that moment to see him as the man and the individual that he was. So we went to coffee later, and he ended up sharing with me that he was going through a major health crisis at that time. He was dealing with his own teenagers at home, and he was not even sharing that story to to tender my heart towards what happened that was never even on the table, but it was such a sovereign gift from God. And so I say all of that for people who have walked through or are walking through church hurt to have the empathetic lens on not just seeing what you were walking through, but also understanding that they were walking through something as well. And God is going to use it for good and he will redeem it. But you have to be in that state of surrender for that to happen.
0: Now, I have a question for you on this church hurt from your standpoint, and when you're speaking yeah. at all the places you do talk, mm-hmm. do you think there is a direct tie to church hurt, to this current thing that's happening with a lot of young people that grew up in the church where they are deconstructing their faith? Is is that mm-hmm. still from the same source, or do you think something else is at play?
1: I do. I think it's also an element of religiosity. And um, the, the parental role in that space, and their lack of knowledge, their lack of intimacy with Christ, and what I'm loving in this next generation that's coming up is that they don't need bells and whistles. And you know, there there's such an evolution of watching what happens in the trends of the church, and that now I really see this move of mega churches whittling away, and people just being on their face in the living room. Yeah. And that's the kind of relationship I have with the Lord now, and I want people to like come into that because we have. I've actually had a church, um, a home church, for several years, and now I'm back in a, a congregational church outside of a home. But we do so much in the home, and so I think that's where these children are seeing? What were the religious rules that were expected of me? And why was I being almost groomed into this belief system? I don't want any of that. I just want Jesus. And that's phenomenal. There's also the other side, obviously, where there's the mental health crises of going on, where there's a rejection, but it still goes back to those three things the Lord said to me in that moment. You are fully seen, you are fully known, and I still love you. That that word still doesn't get enough emphasis when we're talking about any element of the in-between words that Jesus shared, those words have such credibility and such depth to him. So to still love me, that's to still love me in my mess, to still love me in my immaturity, to still love me in my religiosity, to still love me in my lack, right? And that's why he sent Jesus. And so it's this unlock that they're going to continue to have as they start um, cutting ties to the religious I heard this stat the other day, correct me if I'm wrong, 17,000 Christian denominations. Wow. And I, I was blown away by that. I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, no wonder people are confused. No wonder why people don't want to be Christian because they look at us and we just look like a big ble- like bubble of confusion. They're like, what does she believe? Why does she believe? What's this? When all other religions, they believe the one thing and they all are on one accord. And that's what Jesus is coming back for, a pure bride, a body of Christ that is in one accord. And so I'm excited to be a part of that part of the shift that I do really see happening right now.
0: You know, in our culture right now, it seems to be a real metaphor of the whole parable of the tares. Because we have, on one hand, you have these good pockets of what God's doing in the young people Mm -hmm. today, and it's undeniable They are growing up in him. Their roots are in him. And then alongside, you have also countless others who are more like what would be represented by the tares. And, And they're growing up too. And if you're surrounded by these tares, if you're surrounded by people who are telling you what you're believing is crazy, but they just can't see the whole picture the way God does, and he allows some of this stuff that's going on that seems so unreasonable, and at the end, it's going to be separated, and the good is going to be separated out, and that which is not good is going to be destroyed. And and so that's what we just can't see. And I'm sure you couldn't see that. You couldn't see the end from the beginning either. No,
1: not not a chance. But yet, when you look back, and I actually have this prayer often because people always say like hindsight is twenty twenty, and I'm like, yeah, but what if forethought was twenty twenty? Hmm. What if we had such a discerning spirit? that we didn't have to have that hindsight 2020 and like, oh, now I see God, but there was forethought into his presence and his goodness and his sovereignty. Then I can operate in power and authority because I know that I know that I know this is going to be the next part. And so, I'm in the business sector, right? That's why I'm coming to the chamber is I help people develop their businesses and and to take the message that God has put on their life and turn it into a movement. That's my my, my MO, if you will. And the one thing that I see all the time and hear all the time is I just – I don't have clarity. I'm lacking clarity. And that drives me nutty because I I just think it's an excuse. I think it's an eliminating belief that God is going to come down and he's going to write the business plan for you and you're going to do the thing. He's going to build the house, right? Well, that's not the premise of God's desire for us. It's the hand in hand, the day to day. And it's also even though it might appear religious to people, it's the practices that he's presented to us. It's prayer and petition. It's fasting. It's actually being in the word and not just knowing that a Bible that sits on your counter, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I have a Bible. It's like, do you know it though? Because when I am in the word every day, I know what my next step is because there's clarity, no matter if I'm in Exodus or I'm in Deuteronomy or I I could be in Leviticus. I was crying in Leviticus last year and I was like, who am I? But I asked for it. I was like, Lord, reveal to me your purpose here. And so if we're in that place, then this understanding of clarity that is just a, a buzzword for i'm not taking action it's just yeah. a, it's basically rooted in sloth it's rooted in 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 not moving then we can actually again going back to ownership take ownership and say you know what i don't have the full picture but i know my god does and he is the god of possibility and so i keep walking and every day that's revealed to me hey, and so I, I am such a prayer warrior for fourth thought
0: Your testimony is exactly what we're praying for about a lot of these people, because Mm -hmm. you did have the Mm -hmm. early experiences with God. You loved the Lord. You knew the Lord. And then all of this stuff that happens, it can just Mm -hmm. derail people. And then they're in this state. And I know that you probably felt this as well. Some of them feel that there is no way they could ever get back to that place of trusting God. They could never get back to that place of believing that God is indeed sovereign And that's just not true either, as was exemplified in your life at age 29.
1: Yeah. And I would say a part of that was leaning in, right? I think when you're pushed out, which is how I felt, or you've chosen to leave, it was a combination, again, ownership in that, because I could have stayed, is that if we get back into that place, I was in such a dark spot. I had suicidal ideation. I was experiencing depression and anxiety. I had just walked through postpartum. I had two kids under the age of two and was married at this time with two full-time worldwide businesses. And that is crazy life at 29 years old. But it was also the presented success path. It was also the presented American dream. It was also the thing that I was getting applauded for and accolades were being given for. And I was like, given that kudos. And that is the part of lacking humility that society is, is going after this lifestyle of the rich and the famous. And they're so distracted away from intimacy. They don't even have intimacy in their marriage. They don't even have intimacy in their relationship with their children. They don't have intimacy with themselves. To the point that they're covering themselves. And I say this specifically with the desire for women. I like makeup. It's fun. I put lipsticks on all the time, but like they're covering themselves every single day to become beautiful in the context of a lie. And so, when and how, in all of my mess where I'm still loved by God, these words like I held so strong to in this time, how does He still love me? And so, I went on that expedition and I let go of so many things. I let go of societal norms. I let go of those positions. I let go of titles that the world had given me because I realized that my tombstone was not going to say entrepreneur on it. And at that point, the way I was acting without integrity and without dignity and without prioritization of my first ministry, which was my family, I wasn't even going to have wife and mom on there, at least not well, well done, right? And so if we eagerly desire that, it's eagerly desiring Who does God see me as and why am I here, right? The conversation of purpose, the conversation of calling is literally a tagline everywhere. Facebook ads everywhere, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, discover your calling, know your purpose. Well, all you have to do, and I'd be happy to do it if somebody listens to this and they're like, I need that. If they don't have the understanding or the Bible verse that literally tells us every single one of our purpose or calling, it is in Matthew and it says, go and make disciples of nations but you cannot go and do that in purpose and calling until you have been discipled. That's right. And so this is a place that we people just aren't used to. It's like, we want to be the leader. We want to be in front. We want to be on the top. How about from a lens of a, a Sherpa is something I'm training right now and learning through the ascent of Mount Everest. A Sherpa is a guide. And Jesus is our guide. And so why don't we fall under that and get in that place of humility to say, you know what? I actually don't know because this isn't working out the way that I want it to be. And my life is in shambles. And it's not just going to a therapist. It's having an encounter with Christ, and he's desiring that with his children.
0: Oh, I love it. Tamara Andress is my guest today. This is good stuff. Lots to think about from all of this already, but we'll be back with Tamara in just a moment for our next segment right here on Afternoons with Mike. If you're a Christian business
1: person and you want to meet people who want to do business with you, you need to join the Central Florida Christian Chamber of Commerce. Why? Because the mission of the Christian Chamber is to build kingdom, business, and community. And it all starts with the Christian principle of building relationships. To learn more about the Christian Chamber and all the different ways you can get engaged with hundreds of
0: other Central Florida Christian business people, visit cfchristianchamber.com or call 407 258 My guest is Tamara Andras, and Tamara is uh, coming to us today from the north, and she's uh, sitting before a fire. Those of us in Florida, we think we're in winter too, although I think compared to the, some of the temperatures that they'd have up around Virginia Beach, where Tamara is, uh, we are just having some mild weather, my friends. That's what that's what it is. Although, uh, I, you know, I know that they, there's a joke, Tamara, that says when you move to Florida, your second year here, your blood has turned to orange juice. And so that's what's happened. And and we have no more insulating that. ability. We, we get freezing when it's... Uh, you know when it's below 50 it's just awful so yeah that's what we're going that's through great. right now hey you said something you said something in our earlier uh, chat when we were first started this talk that i want to go back to you mentioned that it wasn't so much a matter of you finding the lord but the fact that the lord had you in his hand he already knew where you were and i think that is a theological point that many people have now i know some don't I grew up singing. I have decided to follow Jesus. I think a lot of people in their church traditions, they grow up with this thing that it, it, the Lord is the the great, uh, almost like a, a choosing line, like when you go to a uh, some sort of a, a feast and you've got the food set out in a buffet and you can go through Morrison's and pick and choose and he's there. But the Bible says he's much more aggressive than that. The Bible teaches that he has his eye on us. And I, I'm, my question to you is in your, because you've articulated that, correctly, I believe theologically, Mm. he found you. It wasn't so much that Mm -hmm. you found him. Why Mm -hmm. is it that so many people who are attending churches, much of their lives still get tripped up at that very thing?
1: Wow, that's a big question. I think that a lot of people aren't willing to realize that because of their earthly experiences here with parents or lack thereof, that they could ever understand that someone would be pursuing them. In in the context of love and uh, g- the greatest love we've ever known, most people have never had that in their life, even with their spouses. And so I think about like that abandoned, unabandoned, reckless love that I went after my now husband um, with when we dated. And that is a fraction of the love in which our creator who knows every hair on your head has after you. And so there is this wooing that he is presenting and it's an opportunity. And the thing is that is constantly a distraction is selfishness, greed, uh, all these pieces of the puzzle that are enemy tactics to keep us at bay from uh, the God who is speaking. He is speaking right now to every single person. We have this um, knowledge of Intuition or energy or um, coincidence, even, right? And I look to every single time something like that happens where I get chill bumps or I have a phone call from the person I was just thinking about that I haven't talked to in years. Like that is God in and on the move to present himself to you and through these other people and through these scenarios. And so that is a reckless pursuit. I love that Corey Asbury song, Reckless Mm -hmm. Love because he doesn't stop coming after his children. And a lot of times when you look to the example of the prodigal son, you see the son um, is the one who comes back but we forget that he was the father the entire time was still protecting his home. He was still protecting all of the ones who were still in his accordance at that time. And he pursued him. He ran after him in that moment with great expectation. And so it's, that's the part that I think if we can grasp hold of, it was not just this personal revelation of hey, today I should follow God because my life stinks and I don't want to eat out of a pig trough anymore. It was actually the love. It was actually his sovereignty, the father's sovereignty that willed him back in. But if we're far from that, all we see is dark. And so we've got to get back into circles of light. That's just simply releasing yourself from some of the things that society is presenting as good and healthy and well for your soul when it's literally demonic.
0: There are so many great books on that very parable, that very story that comes from uh, the Bible, Jesus giving us the parable of the prodigal son. And I think so many people always identify with the prodigal when we probably come closer Mm -hmm. to identifying with the brother because totally. we are always looking and saying hey what am I chopped liver here you know what yep. what what yes. about me i've been faithful yes. i w- you know one uh, one theologian once said something and i've never forgotten it he said we always try to smuggle a little bit of our character and our ability into the formula here. We try to make just a little bit about what's going on about us, but I agree with you completely. It's the love of the father who sought us out and loved us. And here's what the Bible says. While we were still enemies, that's when he loved us and paid for our redemption he did all of that. It's a precursor to our ever finding him or finding what he says about us.
1: I think when I think about the brother, I love there's a book specifically by Henry and Henry with an I, um, and it's about this exact topic. And I actually got to talk about it earlier this week, so it's so fun that it's coming up. See, God is good. is is positioning ourselves, even as I'm reading through um, the Bible recap I'm doing with Tara Lee Cobble right now, and it's um, the Bible in a Year chronologically And you get to see and stop necessarily looking to people from a lens of they were bad versus good and look to people as humanity, flawed, Mm -hmm. flawed people. This goes exactly back to the church. And then see God, see Jesus, see the Spirit at work in these scenarios, and position yourself instead of of us looking as the... the person who gets to point the finger, the judge, and actually have a moment of sweet conviction with the Lord to be judged. So when I go into any conversation, when I go into any situation, I'm always like, Lord, convict me, like search my heart and teach me something new so that I can become more like you. And that willingness has proved so good over the last 10 years of just following in step and being able to hear him and decipher So in in that particular book, it's also putting yourself in the lens of the father. And as a mom, oh my gosh, I am constantly at bay with the kids who are, but I did this and I did this and I should deserve this. And I want to sit up front and I want, you know, it's just like constantly. And so I laugh all the time when I'm reading through the word now, because God is like, remember, you're just like them. Remember, you're not so different than them. And so it was specifically in uh, Genesis, I was reading about Rachel and Leah and um, their experience as being Jacob's wives and how all that was going down. And he he convicted me live and in action and just basically said, you're not much different than Rachel. You're not much different than Leah. And when I put myself in their lens and those shoes, I thought, oh, it goes back to he just still loves us. Yeah. He sent his son for this very reason. So I love that you brought that up
0: in uh, the early segment you gave us that phrase about what the lord spoke to you those three things in case someone just joined us can you go through that again tamara as to what Absolutely. the lord spoke to your heart i think that is so good
1: yeah and i think it's not just about what he spoke to me but what he did with me physically in that moment so i was carrying such weight uh, of just depression over my life and what I had chosen to do and be and become at that point. And so I was literally weighty in the middle of my floor. Imagine yourself being in a pile on the ground. And the Lord took my chin. And as he grabbed my chin, he raised me to my feet. And I think when I talk about posture as well often, and we worship often like looking down and we're like in this place of like humility that God wants to look to you face to face. When I look to my children, I don't want them to look down. I want to look at their eyes. I want to see the beauty that was created inside of my womb. And so when he lifted his eyes and he said, I see you, I know you, and I still love you, I was forever wrecked because I realized in that moment, all the hiding that I had done in my natural tendencies in my fleshly tendencies, um, i it didn't matter. He still loved me, yeah, and so to bring it back to that verse of we are still yet sinners, and he came um is so so good, and it makes me think of the image of like at the cross, right i I've heard my pastor has shared this is he feels like the church has stayed at the foot of the cross, and we're constantly in this place of like oh, and I repented, and oh, I'm still yet a sinner, and oh, I just need to stay here, and I'm just begging for, for re- repentance, and I'm begging for redemption. But we forget that Jesus actually went to the tomb, and he resurrected so that we don't have to stay at the foot of the cross. And it's a process of freedom and power and authority that then he gifted his Holy Spirit to us. So yes, I had my cross moment. That was that. But since that moment, I have been moving to the tomb, and since the tomb, I am now resurrected as a new man in Christ, and I get to operate as Jesus did and do far greater thing than he did. But It requires us to be walking in tandem with him in order for that power and authority to be um, infused into the way in which we show up every day and not in a pride-filled way.
0: I heard a phrase years ago, it was like a metaphor, that it said, beggars will look at the hands of the person they're talking to while mm. lovers always look at the eyes. And I think okay. that is really, really a helpful understanding and really articulates what you're saying. It's how we look at it. I too, I'm very grateful. And I never want to forget that it was at the foot of the cross that I yeah. I have my relationship with the Lord. It was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. And I think that mm-hmm. is the heart too of uh, the the communion service, the Uh, the whole thing that we should always be a part of the Lord's supper is that we never want to forget what it cost the Lord or how it is that we became uh, able to come to him. And, and yet you are right. He has called us, we forget it. He's called us to do great and marvelous things for him uh one friend w- once wrote a song called Mighty Warrior and uh boy that that is so true he dressed for battle that's that's who uh yes. that's what we are we are in, in, in like a Gideon who did not see yeah. himself as a mighty warrior like the angel spoke to him but he was and it proved out it was proven that he was much more of a fighter for God and a believer in God than what he thought he was
1: It makes me think of this uh, communion exchange I have with the Lord at the start of a new year several years ago, and uh, I didn't know that when I went to do this online training and teaching, and it was basically just a prayer and worship session, um, that we were going to actually practice communion. The the advertisement, I guess, is what you could call it, was um, to have a, a radical encounter in the throne room with the Lord, and I was like, yeah, I want that for my new year. Let's go. So it was this time in my kitchen, and it was the literally the first of the year. So the Christmas tree lights are still up and all of that. And she's like, hey, I want you guys to go get bread. And if you have juice or wine or whatever, um, we're going to take communion. And so I had this, like, gut feeling. I had since been given up alcohol several years before. So I didn't have that. at, And we don't drink sugary things. So I didn't have juice. And so all I had was the coffee that I was drinking. And I took, I don't have any dry food because we don't really eat gluten. So I didn't have bread. So I thought, okay, well, I've got some of this like granola cereal. I'll I'll have a handful of that. And I had in this religious spirit that what I was about to commune with was uh, offensive to God and i but that was literally my my mind right and so i'm like no i'm going to fight past this silly mindset and i'm going to take communion and i'm going to try to repent in the process of taking communion and so i take the the first uh bite of this this granola and i the lord whispers i am that sweet and oh, i thought wow. oh man, thank you, Lord. Thank you for hearing my heart. Like I am taking this to remember you. And then literally two seconds later, right before we take the drink, I have the guilt again. And I'm like, oh shoot, I don't have the juice. I don't have the wine. Oh my gosh, Lord, please just know my heart. And I took a sip of the coffee and he whispered, I am that bold. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'll never take communion this same, because it's the act of communion, it's the reverence, the awestruck wonder of Christ, and just this gratitude of what it is that he's done. It's the remembrance process. And so he now shows me all the time and all the different communions that I get to take. He shows different characters and whispers different words to me about that particular exchange that I'm having with him. So for that year, I got to hold sacred his sweetness and his boldness, and I got to be a mirror of that in the earth. And so I encourage people who are thinking about communion, if it's not something you take on the regular, or you don't have the little cups that the church gives you, or you don't drink... Drink wine anymore, or you don't have gluten in your house. You can exchange and have this a beautiful um, opportunity to to hear from the Lord every single day.
0: Well, no one listening to this is doubting at all that uh, this thing stuck in your life, Tamra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was good, and it it's was great. So good. And I, I, uh, that's going to really be in my heart and mind the next time we receive, which we do regularly at our church, the Lord's supper, and we do it together and, oh, it is so good. It's always rich, but I'm going to have something extra now, uh, to think about when we receive it next. Now you mentioned this, that you work in business. That's kind of predominantly where your field of service and how you help Mm -hmm. people. You're coming to Orlando in April at the big business expo that is going on from the U.S. Christian chamber. And uh, you're going to be as a speaker at that event this year. What do you see uh, as being the number one message that people in business that they aren't doing and they need to do? What Mm. would be that number one thing? Wow. That's
1: a, huge question. And since I've really been simmering in the leadership development side of what I'm doing, I'm, I'm growing my team right now. And I've got another organization, where are growing the, the executive board and the board um, is, is radical grace mm. and representation of the body, understanding what body part is the person playing and what body part are you playing? And so to ask yourself this question has been a really fun uh, networking opportunity instead of like, what do you do? It's like, what body part are you in, in Christ's body? And, you know, most people think of the simple like, oh, I'm the eyes, I'm the heart, I'm the feet. Well, I thought about it and I asked the Lord, I'm like, God, who am I to you? What body part am I? And the first thing, which would have not been my predominant first thing, was the hip. And I thought, oh, yes, <laughs> come on, Lord, teach me right now. hip has a little bit of a staff to it. It also has the ability to move you from one position to another, from the sitting to the standing. I talked to you about being an activator. I yeah. want people to be running after God. It's also the connection of huge portions of our body, the top half and the bottom half. And so it's an adjoining um, force that is so critical for us to be able to move on behalf of what God is calling us into. And so to understand that and then to make way for the people around you who might actually carry a similar body part, if they do or not. But the way in which you get to see people now is so different than the role in which they play. So I, let's say you're a human resources officer. Let's say you're a podcaster. Let's say you're a speaker. Naturally, people were probably like, oh, she's a speaker. She's the mouse. And that's not what God told me. And I actually know people who I have positioned. I'm like, they're the mouse. They're the mouthpiece of Christ that actually is not something I would call for myself.
0: That's right. So
1: it's just a fun, it's a fun activity, but understanding and paralleling that to radical grace without not, I don't want radical grace to be misconceived as, oh gosh, she's one of those grace gospelists who only believes that like everybody is welcome and all things are good under God. That's not what I mean. Radical grace is understanding the radical part is the precursor to grace that you have to be radically involved with Christ to be able to actually receive and
0: understand grace. Let's pick that back up in our next segment. We're up against a break. Tamara Andress is my guest today. I'll be right back. Join host Mike Gilland for The Shepherd at Work every Saturday morning at 10.05 a.m. You will be introduced to a marketplace leader that will help you learn to walk out your faith wherever you live and work. The Shepherd at Work is sponsored by the Central Florida Christian Chamber, building kingdom, business, and community throughout our area. That's The Shepherd at Work, this Saturday morning at 10.05 a.m. My guest is entrepreneur and business speaker and author, Tamara Andress. She's from up in the Virginia Beach area, and she is coming to Orlando for the big event that is going to be held by the U.S. Christian Chamber, and it is called the Business Expo. It's got a bigger title than just that, but uh, that's what comes to my mind right now, <laughs> and uh, it's really going to be a great thing, a new location, a venue that is different than last year's, and so it's really going to be something fun, and I know very helpful. Tamra is one of the uh, keynotes for this, and will be sharing And uh, it's really going to be exciting to get to meet you and to find out what in the world, uh, how in the world it is that you do all of this. You are like a true energizer bunny. I mean, (laughs) you've got that energy going for you. Uh, When you talk to businesses, we already heard from you as to what you uh, might, uh, how and what you might want to be inspiring them to see. How do you see that health and wealth? Are directly the health and wealth of that business. How do you see those things being tied together?
1: Yeah. So it was uh, upon my like entrance into entrepreneurial endeavor. I told you I was out for about three and a half years while I just pursued Christ and I stayed um, just just internal. I was very like uh, prioritizing the nucleus of my home during that time, and I brought a, a bunch of women into a room. And I called out in them the entrepreneurial spirit and the, uh, place them in, positioned them in a place that they had never really been before. And so as the years have gone on, it's been really cool to see when we call out in people what Christ sees in them, it actually calls them to that higher level of self. So a lot of times when, with what I do, because I have a Christian publishing house and we develop messengers. They think and come to me, they're like, oh, I'm just going to be a podcaster. And I'm like, well, first off, just podcasting is like saying just a radio show. And it gets to go to millions of people, billions, if you're doing it across the world. And so it's never adjust anything to Christ. It's a huge act of obedience. And so I know that if they're capable of sharing, let's say, 55 episodes once, or 52 episodes once a, a week, they also have the ability to speak. They also have the ability to write. They have a message inside of them. And so calling out this greatness and actually packaging it in a way in which they can serve people at large goes back to what I was sharing before, that word radical and being able to understand that how we present Christ to the world has a radical opportunity to truly display all the fruits that are prevalent in your life by you showing up and saying yes, whether it's on a bookshelf, whether it's on a microphone, whether it's on a stage. And so I am so passionate about people not staying. Behind the camera or behind the other person that they're supporting, and actually put pen to paper for the thing that God has done in their life because it's the power of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb that frees us all.
0: Boy, that is well said. Now, it's a lot uncomfortable for much of the people that might be hearing this to think about being either by the microphone with their mouth or mm-hmm. in front of a camera instead of being behind the camera. But that is indeed what many people are finding. And sometimes people find themselves, I think you were one of them, you found your true voice when you got out and and started to be in front, if you will, and that's what God calls some of us to, and he's obviously called you to that very thing. How did you jump from having this knowing relationship, loving God, being convinced now that he loves you and not on the basis of what you've done or not done, How did you go from that into this whole broadcasting thing?
1: Yeah, I knew that it was no longer, um, you know, the pie wheels that people present. And they're like, okay, let's do an audit on you. And they're like, okay, here's family. How's that going for you? Here's fitness. How's that going for you? Here's fun. And it's like family, fitness, finances, blah, 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 blah. Health and wealth are clearly a part of that. But people put wealth in the category of finances and they put health in the category of their body, basically their weight, size, pants, whatever you want to call. Um, And then they've got this pie chart that includes space or some people now in in the woo-woo of it all, spirituality. And it is a segment of their identity. And when I realized that that was not something that I just tapped into on a Sunday or for many decades in my life, that it was just something that I didn't just tap into because I um, had a, a God wink moment or a Holy Spirit moment, or at the time I would call it a coincidence or a wish, y'all. I, I walked that life too. Um, it was not a segment of my identity. It is the solid foundation in which I stand every single day. And so I had to understand who actually am I? If this is who if I'm a spiritual being, what does that mean? And now when I go back to this wheel of life, how do I present that out to the world? And so one of the biggest things people will ask me is Tamara, how do you balance it all? How do you balance all these different businesses and things like nonprofits and your family? And and I just really believe that balance is a lie. So when it comes to health and wealth, and I'm thinking about how am I stewarding this in this season, the conversation goes to alignment first. Is am I aligned to the will of God? Am I aligned to Him and Him alone? Well and said. then also having conversations and communication with the people that matter most to me in the inmost part of my home. And so having these conversations with my husband, who is also an entrepreneur, and saying, hey, where are we? and checking in on the regular so that when I do go out and I'm traveling to speak, I know without a shadow of a doubt in my mind that the home front is secure and safe and whole. Because when I was trying to operate out of a place where that space was broken, first it starts with ourselves, then it starts with that home front, then it starts with the people around you, the smaller group. Jesus did the exact same thing with the three, the 12, the 5,000, well, 70 and then the 5,000 is being understanding and cognizant and always being aligned. Balance is out, y'all. I was a gymnast for 12 years and I never, ever got a 10.0 balance beam. So I know it's a lie. <laughs>
0: Now, no, you gymnasts would believe that you need to be fit to do what you're doing. Uh, I watch those Olympics and what those girls on that balance beam. I'm always amazed. And the guys (laughs) on the parallel bars as well, or or vice versa. I mean, it's truly incredible, the balance that's there. So you're one that has not only believed in physical fitness, but you have a a big emphasis on something called fit in faith. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so FIT actually started the the first thing through a podcast. That was what the Lord called me to first, while also writing a book. So it took me about three years to write the book, but I was podcasting for three years by the time it came out. So I was remaining obedient and disciplined, thanks to gymnastics being a part of like flexing that muscle since I was little. Um, I knew what it took, and I know what it takes. Um, And it's a day-by-day experience. FIT has evolved, as should we, in our maturity. And so initially it was this mind-body-spirit health and wealth and well-being and how they all paralleled together rather than being seg- segmented, like I just mentioned, and how do we operate in that on a day-to-day basis. And as I started like growing my business and started getting more interviews and having these conversations with people, I realized that the people in which I was serving most were the activators. So FIT became an acti- an acronym for founders, innovators, and trailblazers, founders who are starting businesses, innovators who are operating in the kingdom of God in a really dynamic, unique way right now. And I hate to say it to you guys, if you're the people who are like, I don't want to get behind the mic or I don't want to write the thing. Trailblazers are what God is calling out loud right now. He wants the people who are willing to go out front to face the fight. But just remember, as you do that, there's a huge amount of people who are willing to go with you. So I keep going back to that imagery of Gideon's army, like you shared, and like he was never alone. He was never alone. And so for us to have that representation that even though we might in our natural or our local um, situations feel like we're the only one doing what God is calling us to do, that's not the case. And so I love right. being in organizations and having conversations like this and going to conferences um, like this one, and it, which is called – the title is called Spiritual World Citizens. It invites us into this bigger picture of what's happening and gets us outside of what can be an isolating state, especially as an entrepreneur.
0: Right. SWC. That, that is going That's to be it. a big impact on all of us. I especially love the T in your acronym, trailblazers. Mm-hmm. When you were t- telling us that a moment ago, my mind went to Lewis and Clark. And one of the aspects oh. that they experienced as a, a true trailblazer, they had no idea what the road ahead held. They were just willing, they were courageous, and they were game for the, for the walk, if you will, because that's exactly what they did. They, they either rode horses where they could, or they made it by foot when they needed to, but they tra- blazed that trail all the way to the West Coast. And that is something that I think that we should always remember, that God calls us to do great things in God great things, things that we are surprised that we could be doing, but that's just what God does.
1: It makes me think of, uh, the visual that I've been having of myself lately as a trailblazer is like, you think of me as an energizer bunny. And, and if you look to my brand, I've got like all these fun colors and I'm usually wearing something sparkly. And now I'm going to give you an extra, um, outfit item that I'm going to be wearing is, is holding a machete in my hand, <laughs> because when we go to war, we cannot be timid. That's a part of being radical, yeah. is there is no timidity in the kingdom of God. There is no weak Christians. There are meek Christians, and that's an element of humility, but we get to go out front, and we get to slay dragons, you guys, and so I am constantly in battle spiritually with my machete. I'm like, no, this is a lie. No, I'm going to cast that idol down. No, this is not for us. This pillar has been made a long time ago. Let's knock that down. Like Old traditions, that religious spirit, um, all of the things that people are being held back by the bondage of their trauma and childhood and all these things, that, that can no longer be an excuse for us not to move forward and to not take territory for Christ.
0: I love that what a beautiful, beautiful picture that is that machete being willing to yield it and wield it before God, I mean giving into the fact that he's called us to do these things and then taking a hold of it and going out and and fighting the battles that we need to fight hey you're you've written a book uh, at least one book I know you 've got several, I think, and you're also recognized as the number one best selling author what is going to be the Uh, next book or the next project that you're working on.
1: I love that. Yeah, I've got, I think, six books now. We've got two more in queue for this year, and I'm writing another one um, solo. I do a lot of, like, compilation work, which I love so much because I get to bring all these trailblazers into one project um, and energize. We're working on our third volume of the Joyful Entrepreneur We are just announcing it actually today, and it is to bust up these lies, bust the myths of what's happening in business building and what does it look like to do it biblically. So I'm really excited about that. And then my next personal one is all about the alabaster jar and um, Mm -hmm. how we actually can profit last as a kingdom entrepreneur. And it's the opposite of what the world is teaching, profit first there, but Um, that's not the way Jesus taught it. And so that's I'm really excited to put that out there because that's going to be co-authored by my husband.
0: Oh, well, that's a real treat, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it really is. I love doing stuff with him. He's really stepping into ministry in a really dynamic way after... Two decades of being an entrepreneur and realizing man, it's so much more fun over here when you get to do ministry and business. That's why that's we it. call it business tree.
0: <laughs> well, you're a great example of what the chamber stands for, and that's Marketplace Ministry, helping, uh, helping people who are in the marketplace realize that they don't have to c- check in their faith at the door, so to speak. So that's exactly what you're going to be sharing. Give us the website, how people can find your books, find your information, read up on Tamara Andress.
1: There it is. It's my name. It's www.tamraandress.com, and I'm on YouTube and Instagram and all the other places. So if you Google me, you'll you'll get all the goods. Thank you.
0: And the name is Tamra. That's spelled T-A-M-R-A, Andress A-N-D-R-E-S-S. There it is. And so uh, you look look her up. Find out about her. I'm looking forward to getting to have you on my program again in April when Likewise. we're at the uh, expo because Lord willing, we're going to be out there as well. Tamra, awesome. thank you.
1: No, this has been amazing. Thank you.
0: I'm so glad we were able to spend this time together. And I, I appreciate the way you encourage people with all that God's poured into you. You're pouring it right back out. So thank you for that.
1: Thank you, brother. appreciate you so much for having a, a platform that people get to share. That's what we're here for, together as one. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. And friends, we'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.